0: Welcome to the Sober Experiment podcast by Be Sober. I'm Lisa and I'm Alex. If you're new to our podcast, Lisa and I have been best friends since high school
1: and after many years of getting drunk together, we decided to experiment with being sober together.
0: You can find out more about our story by going right back to the start of season one. We started Be Sober with a vision to connect people living a sober lifestyle to help them feel less alone and show them that you can still have fun without alcohol. Be Sober is now the only sober community that has absolutely everything that you could possibly need in one place. And we believe from the bottom of our hearts that everyone who doesn't want to drink alcohol deserves to feel normal.
1: Hello, Lisa. Hi, Alex. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. Ah. We have just had a really good interview, haven't we? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to everybody listening to it. I am. Um, so it's a lady. Well, well um, we normally do this kind of, well, Lisa normally does this and reads out a bit of a bio. I don't, are you going to do that or shall we just say who she is? No, just do, let's just be normal, people. Let's just be normal, yeah. <laughs> so she's called Alison Calder and she's actually um, a coach now and she does sobriety coaching. She lives really local to me and she was first, I first knew about her in our Be Sober support group on Facebook. And she said, I didn't realise how long it's taken her to actually get sober, to be honest with you. And I met her with her a few months ago for a coffee and wanted to get her on because
0: she's just like got a really positive and shiny outlook, hasn't you? She? Yeah, she's lovely. She's really lovely. And I think it's a lovely episode for, especially for anybody that kind of is trying to get sober, yeah. if you're a serial day oneer you know who you are (laughs) this one's for you
1: yeah it is so uh, that's kind of introducing her in the wrong place really because well it's not is it not no it was a long chat wasn't it was it (laughs) yeah I so that, normally I we do the introduction first don't we and we've not chatted yeah so normally we get it out of our system we have a little bit of a gas together and like And chat. now
0: we've just pressed record and we're like oh well oh, we haven't really got anything got to, say to say though because <laughs> we've got <this> chat. <laughs> I've got something to say Go on. Um I wanted to talk about um emotions, I think, in sobriety and how we deal with things um differently. So last night, um or well, or this week, you know, Father's Day. I and do know Father's my... Day. We're both orphans, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> I said this. I was like, I've got two dead dads and one that that um yeah. Anyway <laughs> <laughs> does he listen? It probably not. Well, probably not not. Um anyway, <laughs> <if> it happened, <laughs> with it being Father's Day. So my kids, um my son went and took his dad out for food on Father's Day, on the Sunday. His dad and his dad's girlfriend right oh. well so this is what I want to talk about about the emotion so for anybody that doesn't know my children's dad everyone will know now <laughs> we, we, we split up years and years ago and he met another girl and he had a baby and that that's fine that's absolutely fine um in fact to get on with her really well and then he split up from her and his new girlfriend Happened to be my Lord, Alex is cringing. I actually, was, honestly, I talk about emotions right now. I am. I've got so much anxiety. I'm holding my breath. Go on, right. So his new girlfriend ended up being my worst enemy ever from high school. So. Like, you know, when you go to things like um, I do a lot of like meditation and group sessions and like spiritual sessions and letting go sessions where you write down all these things and you let them go and you burn them in the fire and stuff like that. And I've been to things where you have like practiced forgiving people and, you know, like people that have pissed you off. (laughs) And I've never been to dolls. Yeah, no, no, that's what I should do. And I've never, ever, ever been able to let it go about this girl because she was such a bitch, right? And not only was she just such a bitch at high school, like she got she and it's things from like when I was younger. We're not going to name her, are we? We're not naming her. No, no. So, like when I was like 15, she tried to get me out the back of school to get beat up by people. And she was like, oh, there's these people waiting for you at the front. So come out the back with me. because I've got a very good gut instinct, halfway there, I was like, hang on a minute. And I went, I turned around and went out the front and she was trying to lead me out to the back where I'd get beat up and there'd be no teachers there or anybody to see it happening. And that night I got beat up by about 12 girls from another school. I hate this story so much. It makes me so so sad. So I've just really struggled. Like she was always a bitch through primary school, through high school. She was just always so horrible to me. And I never, ever knew why. Anyway, about Seven years ago, I'd gone out and I was on an night out in a bar and I was talking and I ended up talking to a boyfriend at the time. I didn't know this, had no clue. Um, and we'd had a conversation. He was like, oh, I'm going out with such a body. And I was like, oh right I said oh we never really got on and that was kind of it and the next day I got a phone call off my ex-husband saying oh my god have you seen Facebook and I was like no why and he was like oh you better check it out and on this Facebook this girl sorry when you say your ex-husband you mean the person who's with her now yeah so he he rang me and said um but I've not got to that bit. Nobody knew we was with her yet. So he <laughs> yeah, did because you said his girlfriend. Oh, yeah, he did. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. So on Facebook, she had re- she had literally wrote this really awful post about me, and she'd called me the c word. <gasps> right. I know. I can- I know that, and it still shocks me that she wrote that down. She she writes it all the time. Apparently, that's like the word that she uses like um so she I can't want really to knock her it. out right now and then <laughs> on this post what had happened is all my old high school bullies were commenting on it going oh yeah she's all right this and like really all were these me idiots off. it 30 was off. like seven years ago so we was like what 36 and all mums and that oh yeah mums it's like it were awful it, it really traumatised me right it, I was it so did upset I remember, it. and nobody understood in my life at that time how upset I was and I, I swear to God I cried and cried I remember sat on the bed crying my eyes out at this post because it it just brought up so much awfulness and I couldn't believe these adults were like saying these things like I was a mum when I had children and a job and and it felt like it had all come back to get me it was horrible um so it was just really really awful so anyway I've really struggled to ever forget now I think if if it had been left at school I may have been able to, like... Oh, even if she'd have years later le- been left at school and
1: then she should have said, I'm so sorry about I treated you. You know, you might, but even now, I don't think sorry would be enough.
0: No, oh no, no, it would not. It would not. So um, so then I find out that she's now seeing my kid's dad, right? So I had to go through quite a bit. When I found out this had happened, yeah. I really struggled with it. Um, and can I just add at this point, because I want you all to know this, it is not because she has any feelings about him <laughs> at all. At all. No, but she you, know, you know what it was that I was really struggling with is the fact that my children... Would she would be a part of my children's life somehow? And Bethany was just about to have a baby, and I'm like, oh my God, she's this, she her face is going to go into the next generation of my, my children. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I I, it just oh, it really, really upset me anyway. I got over it. Well, I would, I would be not sure you have- like, <laughs> well, no, I was fine. Um, then she gave, uh, she sold my son that car that he crashed the other week. So I was kind of glad to get rid of the car. It weren't good, the crash rate, but I was glad that that car was no longer outside my house. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Anyway, Father's Day comes and Ben goes out, takes him out and pays for his and her meal right. And it's well annoyed, me, Like, it's really got me inside because Ben is such a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's never even bought me a coffee. He rings me for everything. He's put me through hell and back. And I absolutely love him, but it's been a nightmare, right? And then he buys her a meal. And it's really, really upset me, right? But then it doesn't stop there, yeah? Oh. Last night... The girl, the, Olivia and Beth are really, really loyal. They really Do they are. know about this. Do they? Yeah. Are they on well, your own? Right. The reason the girls know of her name before she came into their dad's life, because when I used to talk about things, you know, like when you're teaching your children about people and how to deal with things and kill people with kindness or blah, 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 blah or high school bullies, yeah, I used to name her as mine so they knew right. the name so when olivia found out that it was like seeing this girl she come home and she was like oh my god you are not gonna believe this moment oh, no. it's like no because they'd known of a name yeah so it, it was just really crazy anyway so last night they've been avoiding it and avoiding it because he's been seeing her for a good few months now and um, the his mum was over and a family member from Australia. So they all had to go out for a meal. So my granddaughter, my girls, everybody, they were going out for Father's Day originally. So they decided, I was like, you are not, I don't give a shit. I can't do anything, but you are not paying for a food. <laughs> anyway, they had to go for a meal last night. So they went and what was really weird is I was on my way to forest school with, for a Be Sober event, which was amazing. Um, look on the website, anybody, cause there's another one coming up. But, um, as I got there, the, the, restaurant where they were going my, as I were driving to forest school, I had to pull up outside it. Like that's where you wait on the road. It were the gallows. Do you know what I mean? So you literally can. And as I was there, I looked over and I saw Olivia and Ben walking in to, I literally saw them going to sit down and it was so weird. Like the feeling was just, I've had to really, really sit with my feelings about it. So what, what do you feel like? I don't like it. It's like I can feel it in my tummy and my chest, right? So it's an actual physical feeling that I've yeah. got. And I've had to be so careful because I don't want now, if he's going to be in the life, I cannot stop my children from well, well, the adult you? children. Do you know what I mean? But it's like. I don't know. I, do, I found it really, really difficult. It's I probably been one of the most difficult situations that I've had to deal with in my sober life, honestly. I always, when, when I get stuff like this, stuff like that, not
1: not that bad, I'll be honest, so I don't know if this will work, but when I get stuff that makes me feel very uncomfortable or weird or sad or anything, I stop try, I've stopped asking myself why do I feel like that I don't know I know why I feel like that yeah so I I don't bother going down that road but and I stop asking myself how I feel even what I tend to do is like how do I want to feel because
0: then I can usually find a way to get me to feel the way I want to feel it's really hard because I want to be all right about it and be like do you know what I mean? But do you I, want to be all right about it, or do you just not want that well, feeling I, I in the I chest? struggle with this because a part of me, like, I don't like being a bad person, right? And I don't wish bad on anybody, except her. <laughs> But no, and, I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish bad. And to be honest, it's a really good revenge that my ex is with my worst enemy and they have to live together. Like, oh my God, that must be awful. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like the two, like, or oh, like two people that you've removed from your life. Yeah, when you <laughs> actually say, when you split up with someone and you go, I wouldn't wish him on my worst enemy. <laughs> you had you your said, wish, yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I did it. I wished it um, and it came true. But yeah, I want to be all right with it, but I struggle with like, like, I oh, I can't even explain it, I don't think. With I struggle with being all right. I could be all right with it, but I feel like I shouldn't as well. Like, it's not all right to do the the things that she did. So what would make you, would, would telling her that make you all no, right? No, I don't ever want everyone to speak to her in my life. I swear to God, I don't. So you it's not a case of if you can get it all I out. I don't want to speak to her. I don't want her to speak to me. There's nothing she could say for me to like, there is nothing like that. I think the feelings that I had was her her face being in my kids' minds through their eyes. I know this is
1: massively inappropriate, but every time you see them together, you just have to think, You've got my
0: seconds, love. I know, I know. <laughs> I do. I do think that. And the the girls actually said she, she looked like she was really uncomfortable, which pleased me. That did please me. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get it. I don't think you're allowed to be pleased. I think this is what I struggle with, like learning that it's all right to not like somebody. Like I feel guilty for not liking her. Do you know what I mean? I think what made this situation
1: hard as well was there was a time when me and Lisa weren't really friend friend. We weren't falling out, but we weren't in contact at all. And I actually ended up being quite friendly with her, not realizing. our oh no, me off even more. I know, not realizing or remembering what had happened. You, try, you tried to tell me that you were fucking nice. I know I did, but I didn't know. I, I didn't realize it had been her that had been the instrumentalist in all that at that point.
0: Yeah. Kind of, I knew, but I didn't know. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't know she really was. really like, nice. And when I found out, uh, yeah, I forgot yeah. about this. When I found out they were seeing each other, you actually came out and was like, "Oh well, I th- I'm sure they got on really well when they were in Six Farm." And I'm like, "Why the fuck do I want to know that?" No, I know, and that's that what wasn't I mean. A shitty thing to say, actually, I
1: know, but that's because I, <laughs> I genuinely, I genuinely didn't realize until we've gone back over it, yeah. I'd forgotten just how awful the things she'd done. Were
0: like until we have gone back over it. It's it's not I, for me. Like, I want right to for you to think like you, you are an adult, you have your, and I, yeah, I, I am. But, the kids, they're adults, they've got to build their own opinion. I'd like stuff. to tell her, I'd like to, I would now like as an adult, <laughs> like to say to her, I don't know why I liked you. Oh, that even annoys me. You're saying it like, I don't even know why. Like, even if you spoke to her, I'd be so upset. I know, but that's what I mean. You it's know like, what I feel like? And this is, I know this is not true, but this is what I feel like. I feel like I'm the only person in the world, like you've gone, oh, she's actually quite nice. The girl's going like, oh, yeah. Right. We're, we're, yeah, it's just like. Yeah, but it, she wasn't all right I'm to you, so it doesn't it, matter what we all think, because she wasn't I all right really, to him
1: lonely in this situation <laughs> honestly I I thought about this and I thought what would I do not that this would ever happen but if I was walking down the road and her and him came up to me or said anything I've, I've actually thought what would I do so I've thought about that as well and I, I reckon I would just say don't speak to me No, there's no way. I know you. No, I think I I would. Genuinely, I genuinely, genuinely. I uh, had me on Facebook. (laughs) No, I genuinely think I would say, don't speak to me,
0: because I think I'd like to say that for you. (laughs) Oh. She turned Woof. up outside my house the other week when they were dropping the car off for my son. She was stood outside my house and I thought, "Oh, do you have the balls to stand outside my house?" You should have got a gang of people to come out the back door and put her in a net. <laughs> oh no. <that's> awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I feel it's weird. I think it's because my teenage years were so traumatic for me yeah. and I spent so long running away from them. It, it's just brought a lot of that back and I feel like I'm being a bit of a child about it. I
1: don't think you are being a bit of a child, actually. I think what you're doing is the right thing to do. You're processing it, you're talking about it and you're trying to work your way through it in a really adult way. And it's all well and good as like sort of being a little bit flippant you know even even me then joking saying you should have got her out the back door all that but actually yeah. it's a really big deal what happened it did traumatize yeah. you and you were even as a, you know now i remember it you were really hurt in that as in physically hurt in that situation yeah it was yeah it was you could really have hospitalized bad. you yeah it was pretty bad it was awful so and and she might have only been a child but clearly for her to then do what she did years
0: later in a third, I think that's it. I think it's the years later yeah. bit. Yeah, that that's what I think is really awful, and the fact that all them people came together again on that post. Yeah, and I think you know what? Not everybody loves everybody. You not everybody's cup of tea, and that's absolutely fine. There's going to be some people that well, they like, they it, up some again, people didn't that they? don't. But when you see like a gang of people doing it, it. It's a really horrible feeling. It really, really is. And do you know what you a need part- right now? What? from radical self-care. <laughs> Which we're going to talk about, actually. Yeah. That's so good. You know, one thing before we go on to it is I just think that like um, a part of me feels like I should just be able to let it go. Mm, I don't like the word should. Do you want to let it
1: go or do you just want? I know part of you does, but yeah. do you want to let it go?
0: Um. Yeah, I think so. So that's what yeah, you've got to practice. Then isn't it how you're going to practice Yeah. 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 And I think when I've kind of done stuff, um, you know, like healing stuff and things like that, I've always really struggled to let that go. So I need to practice more at it. Yeah, you need some work on it, whether that be on your own or with somebody to be able to let that go because you don't want it to take up space in your life. No, that's what I mean. I'm so annoyed about it. I'm annoyed. I feel like I should have learned something. Like, why has this happened? That's what I feel like. Because, this something you, that because it's to time learn to let it from go. This situation.
1: Yeah, because it's time to let it go because you do not want that name, that face, that person, that event and set of events.
0: Yeah. You don't need it. Yeah, you're right. Right, let's talk some radical self-care. With our Alice guest. <laughs> Thanks guys for listening.
2: <laughs>
0: Comments. Thanks for them. letting me get that off my chest. Hello. Awesome.
1: Hi, you okay. Yeah, how are you? Yeah. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Oh, there's a bit of feedback or echo or something.
2: There is there? Um sometimes it does happen. I don't know why, but all then gone. it go- It's gone. It's yeah, gone. Okay. We're good.
1: We're all good. Um so how have you been? Yeah, good thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. You've not met Lisa yet, have you so? Lisa. Alison, Alison, Lisa. Hi.
2: See <laughs> hey Lisa, but she's just popped up. Hold on, let me move across. Oh, there we go. Hello. You
1: okay? Oh, hi there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she yeah. is here. She is on the podcast. <laughs> okay. So, right. I've I've kind of left lisa in a little bit of mystery about you Alison. actually because i've only just sent like all the proper information to have a look at because i wanted you to
0: talk about your wine company (laughs) okay when i say only just she means like this second to look at so i've not actually looked at it yeah like only just
1: (laughs) only just that as in as in within the last five minutes (laughs) and I went oh we'll ask Alison about her wine company and he said oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's
2: fine (laughs) can we start there
1: so you're plodding along in your life you're doing well you might not have been plodding you might have been racing and doing amazing I don't know but you had a wine company yep so all your own wine company and stuff then
2: yes yeah so I'd always worked in the wine industry um Since I, since I was at uni, I had, well, I was asked, I worked for Malmaison and they asked me if I wanted to train as a sommelier, which I did. And then went from there, always was in the wine industry. Then I had my son, who's now nine. um, And when I had him, I decided to set up my own wine business. And, you know, even back then, I knew I shouldn't be setting up a wine company (laughs) I knew my relationship with alcohol. I'd always always known my relationship with alcohol wasn't healthy. Um, But it just seemed the easy option. And then you look back now and think, of course, it wasn't the easy option. The easy option would have been changing before you set up the wine company, changing careers. But yeah, I I wasn't great at listening to my gut instinct, even when it was screaming out at me. So I set up the wine business, had it for about seven years, um, which made... I mean, I think I'd have struggled to stop drinking anyway, just because of the kind of relationship I had with alcohol. Um, But I do think it made it harder because I was financially reliant upon that business. And I couldn't stop while having the wine um, company, but it was just so difficult. I know it's difficult anyway, but I found it incredibly difficult because, you know, I'd be in all these groups and doing challenges and connecting with all these people um, in the sober community. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, I'd be reading about like a, a rosé that I had to stand in front of a room with people and talk about that night and pour for them and they'd be tasting. And it was like I'd do all the work to undo all of the alcohol brainwashing. And then I'd re brainwash myself. It was just a constant cycle.
0: I, that must have been it, exhausting. Like, I'll
1: tell you what's happened to me. This might not have even happened to you, but when I was first stopped drinking, I was quite happy to still buy wine for people as presents. And Lisa, it was Lisa that actually said to me, you won't be doing that soon. And I was thinking, oh, I'll be fine. But the more you learn about it, the more you don't actually want to give it to other people as well. So did that did that like get affect you at all? Yeah,
2: I did. I did feel... I felt like I was being dishonest. And yeah. I was really... I was really just trying to find my own place with it and work out what I was going to do. And I just kept trying to convince myself that if I could just moderate, I could keep my business. And obviously, of course, from a professional point of view, I had to turn up to my events and, you know, being in that role as a wine professional um, and talk about the wine. I'm not going to turn up to a wine event and start telling people that, Actually, alcohol is quite destructive and we shouldn't be drinking it. (laughs) Yeah. I found it hard. I found I just I was just completely out of alignment with myself. And it was really hard to then come out as alcohol free because I felt like I'd been dishonest to my customers. But it wasn't an intentional thing. It was just doing my job the way that I could while having a battle that wasn't suitable really to share because because the business was a lot of local events, a lot of my customers became friends and friends and family. And I had it for a good few years. So I really struggled with that. I really struggled with telling people that I'd stopped drinking in case they thought, oh well, you know, she was fine selling us wine and taking money off us. And now yeah. she doesn't even like it. I really struggled with that. But I was just trying to work out if I could carry on with the business and not drink. And in the end, I couldn't.
0: It makes me I sad. get I this, Alyssa. Sorry, Alex. I get this in um, a way that I used to be a Slimming World consultant. Oh, and, gosh. When I stopped drinking, I stopped Slimming World. I went vegan. Uh, I'm not anymore. (laughs) Just a phase I went through. (laughs) But afterwards, I remember thinking like I used to sit, because it was in my local village and a lot of my members became really good friends. So I was walking around and then I didn't have anything. I'd done it for a good few years and I believed in it. hand on my heart. I loved doing Slimming World and I believed in everything I was saying. But then afterwards, I started like learning different things about it and I felt like a bit of a hypocrite near the end. So I kind of get it. It's very, very similar. But what I do want to ask you is about you realising about your relationship with alcohol, because it must have been quite hard for you to figure that out when you're actually surrounded by people that drink wine so what was it that kind of made you think hang on a minute I'm I've I'm different I suppose than
2: I think I always knew you know I, I was never one to it didn't gradually creep up on me you know from the very first drink I drank to excess and I don't know what it was when I was a teenager that I was trying to escape from or what I was uncomfortable with but I never drank. I always wanted to drink to a point where I couldn't really feel. Yeah. yeah. It was like that. So when I was 24, I first reached out for help with my drinking and I didn't stop drinking till I was 39. So, you know, for 15 years, I was on and off, stopping, starting, trying everything to stop. Um, so it wasn't like suddenly I realised that I had an issue and it was a, a shock to me. I'd always known, but I just desperately wanted to moderate and spent 15 years trying before I said yeah I can't do this we're gonna gonna work um and but I tell you what was hard that with the wine tasting events I'd see people come in and taste the wine and have a lovely evening and go off and I that was what I really wanted I just wanted to do what they did um and I couldn't and I think that ideal that like ideal drinking that you go to a wine tasting and you just have the samples that you're given, which isn't enough to get drunk. So it wasn't like people were leaving in complete state. They'd come having a few drinks with a friend, a lovely chat, and off they'd go. I just kept holding on to, well, I might be able to do that. They can all do it. Why can't I do that? And obviously that, I was surrounded in that so much that normally when you try and stop drinking you take yourself away from those situations and maybe never put yourself back in or if you do when you're much stronger but I kept exposing myself through work to those situations so yeah that did make it more tricky but yeah I'd always known it was always
0: it's a bit like you know Alex and I both grew up in pubs and we used to get what we'd call like the tea time crowd and they would come in after work have a few drinks and then go on. and I never got it I was like what how do you do Why that I how do, do you come you? Here? <laughs> like because if I had a few drinks at tea time, that was me all night Naughty. yeah <laughs> yeah like I would be the last one home and But I actually, unlike you, I never thought that was an issue wanting that. (laughs) It wasn't (laughs) until I stopped drinking, I realised it had been an issue, if that makes sense. But it's interesting that you actually did pick that up and tried reaching for help at just 24. That's quite young, isn't it? It
2: is young. And I find those people that don't know, really interesting. You know, that whole spontaneous sobriety thing where people stop for January for the challenge, for example, Dry Jan, and then they just love it and carry on. I just find that fascinating because I went back and forth and back and forth for years. Yeah. I think, wow, some people can just do it and just stay, stop and stay stopped. I could stop, I just couldn't stay stopped.
1: It's like, though, we know... you like So you're like a serial day one to really, weren't you? But it's like, you know, when you... When you kind of, in those moments and you're watching all those people in your work, for example, going home, we're just seeing what the fantasy of it, aren't we? We're just seeing the bits we see. Like, in reality, you don't know whether they went home and carried on or whether they went home and got absolutely wasted or whether they went somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? We're just seeing that ideology of it it all the
2: time. And quite often people would say to me things like, oh, my God, I felt awful after the wine tasting. And I'd say, oh, really? Because you were fine. Like, they were fine when they left me. And they went, oh, yeah, we went to the pub after. And we had this, this and this. And then I went home and did this. And you should just... have kept spitting. That's what they should
0: <laughs> have done. <laughs> spitting yeah. it out.
2: Nice spittoons, but nobody ever used them. So <laughs> I <laughs> wouldn't use them. them. Not a chance. But, yeah. So, yeah, we do. It was just a snapshot I was seeing. But, you know, people said that they'd gone on and, you know, gone out and got yeah. drunk. But I wasn't seeing that. So, so I just you saw what that.
1: you wanted to see, didn't you? Really? That yeah. confirmation that can be done. What, what took you, if there was anything, was there any kind of one thing that made you think, right, I'm doing this?
2: It wasn't a one thing. It was just a gradual. So in 2019, I joined an online challenge so i tried all sorts um, and i had been in groups for quite a long time but in 2019 I found a challenge joined it did the month and then carried on and did about two weeks into the next month then I had a slip up and I think that just taught me as did my pregnancies um that actually I could have a nice life without alcohol Mm. you know before you've ever done it I mean to me it was just the thought of Life without alcohol and socialising without alcohol was just horrific. And then when I was pregnant with, with my son, Charlie it just taught me that I could do it and I could be happy. And I remember it. I remember the first, and um, I lived in Weymouth at this point, the first night out I had pregnant. It was my partner's mom's friend's birthday. And I walked in, I hated, it was just so uncomfortable because I'd never done it. I hated every second. Someone said to me straight away, having a drink, Kyle? And I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm all right. And they went, oh, you're pregnant, aren't you? And it was just so obvious. I was so uncomfortable. Um, and then at the end, I remember dancing, um, you know, on this on the seafront, there was this Frank Sinatra tribute and he was singing I Did It My Way. And I was up dancing with this massive bump because I was huge. Charlie was £10.14. So I was huge, just so happy in my own skin dancing. And I thought, I'm never going to go back to that. And obviously it was different because I had a child, but it still crept back in. I just drank at home, you know, on an evening instead. Um, so I suppose I'd learned that I could live Happily without alcohol. Um, and then I just was on and off for quite a while. And then when I did drink, I was just becoming increasingly more frustrated with myself. And it was, there was so much self hate because I knew I was doing something that I didn't want to be doing. And I knew I could have a gorgeous life without it. Mm. I just kept going back to it because it was in those you know, sodic moments where things felt too much and I just didn't sit with the feelings. I just, did, did had a drink instead which to me was the the option and the last couple of times that I drank were very short it was four four days in a row like four nights in a row and then three nights in a row um with a good few months in between them and that those two last drinking episodes were just awful in terms of how I felt and it didn't work anymore it stopped working I didn't get what I wanted yeah. I feel amazing like I used to and carefree and I didn't it, it all changed
0: Can I ask you about what do you think of the word alcoholic and would you class yourself as an alcoholic?
2: I really don't like the word alcoholic, not because I would have an issue with saying that I was one. Um, It's not something I've ever chosen to define myself as. But as far as I understand, um, AA defines an alcoholic as somebody who um, either can't stop drinking or who can stop but can't stay stopped and somebody who drinks more than they want to when they drink. So if I look at AA's definition of an alcoholic then I am was, I used to say that Alison. Yeah. But it's not something that a word that I choose to use just because I think there's so much stigma around it. Yeah. Um, I think it I just the the reason I struggle with it is because I just think it keeps so many people stuck. Yeah, it does. I think that's such a shame that people won't reach out for help because they're so concerned about the stigma of this one word so you know I don't really care what people think I am or I'm not or how I word it you know I know what my relationship with alcohol was like but I just don't like it as a word because of the stigma and because of it stay stuck because of it
0: you're so good because I'm so uncomfortable with that word still. Like, I would never say that I was one. I'll say that other people were. <laughs> yeah, you do quite openly. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, was one. yeah like like my stepdad and my uh, my ex husband and my things dad. Like that. Yeah, Alex's dad. <laughs> Alex's dad were one. But- <laughs> like, honestly, regarding me, it is so uncomfortable. And I, and I really struggled at the beginning because I really kind of wanted to help remove the stigma. But how can you remove the stigma from something that makes you so uncomfortable? Like, I, I hate the word. And if somebody said, Are you an alcoholic? I'd say, No. You, you wouldn't ask. just say that. You wouldn't just say that. I'll knock you out. <laughs> no, it, it would. It inv- And it makes me mad that people think that I was one because I stopped drinking like that. Makes, so it's kind of, I want to be really kind and say, like, I'm I'm not judgy about it, but I must be, mustn't I, if it makes me feel like that. Yeah. Well, I don't mean to be. So anybody who's listening that does class themselves as that, I don't mean to be judgy, but you're don't one you're and I'm not. No, <laughs> no, I, don't, no I, don't,
1: I don't think you're judgy of the people. I think that's wrong. I think you're, I think he's same as Alison, but saying it in a different way, you don't like the stigma that that word brings. Yeah, yeah. Not that you think that people shouldn't be alcoholics or shouldn't say they're alcoholics. It's just that you
0: don't like being associated with a word that brings stigma. It's really weird because when when I asked you and um, when we said it, like I could feel it in my chest. The what, word, do you know what mean? I mean? It's, yeah, <laughs> it's really weird, like a brandy, like, like the whole
2: <laughs> grey area drinker phrase. Because I think people's perceptions are changing, aren't they? People yeah. and, and like because we haven't got to this bit, but I work with people now who are trying to change their relationship with alcohol. So clients will say to me quite often, say on a discovery call, someone will come on and say something like you know, pretty much straight away. Well, I don't drink in the morning and I don't drink or I don't drink every day and such and such over the road drinks more than I do. It's always what yeah, they yeah. People. And I just say, you know, do you feel that alcohol is taking more than it's given? It doesn't matter what anybody else does. It doesn't matter if you drink in the morning. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you're not physically addicted to alcohol or you are. What matters is how it makes you feel. And if you're not comfortable with the way alcohol makes you feel and how it's making you show up in your life, then that's what's important. Not, the label. That's why I like the a drinker because it's taken away that whole you either are an alcoholic or you're not. It's it's, yeah. it's saying that there can be people that aren't alcoholics that want to change their relationship with alcohol or remove alcohol from their life. Yeah. It's
1: about empowering people into so anyone can stop drinking if they want to for whatever reason and and you know this already but that's what Be Sober's all about really is about it doesn't matter how you do it we always say we don't care how you do it but if you want a load of friends to be there when you're doing it we'll be your friends yeah. do you know what I mean it's like we'll be your community and that and that's how we are with it and obviously um, you and I had a chat recently before you before I asked to come on the podcast um, about your business and about the coaching and about the communities and it was weird because you were in Be Sober for a while weren't you in the big support group
2: I was and I couldn't have stopped drinking without the support groups
1: yeah
2: found them I still find them such an essential part of my journey and I just don't know why people would want to not have that because yeah. it, it is life so much doesn't it having those people that can support you and you know my friends that I got sober with are the people that know everything about me you know everything
0: we'll get back to our chat shortly but first let us tell you about some of the things we offer at Be Sober We don't want to bombard you with absolutely
1: everything we do because there's loads of it. This week, we're going to tell you about Be Wild
0: 2024. So, we know it seems like ages away already. Well, it depends when you're listening to the podcast, to be honest. Oh, the chicken. They might be sold out now. (laughs) We might have been back. It could be (laughs) 2026. But anyway, if you're listening right now on the 21st of the... Oh, not even the 21st. Oh, oh shit. It's June. It's June 23. Carry on. <laughs> anyway, if you want to experience an action-packed, alcohol-free weekend with Be the Team, meet up with like-minded individuals and express your inner creativity. Our next Be Wild event tickets are now on sale. And the first one is our Southern event, which will be held on the 17th to the 19th of May at Team Dynamics in Tunbridge Wells and the Northern event will be held on the 13th to the 15th of September
1: and will take place in Bowley Campsite and Activity Centre yes I did read that and I have no glasses on uh, which is in Blackburn it's right at the heart of East Lancashire each weekend will kick off early Friday evening finishing at lunchtime on a Sunday and you can get your tickets by visiting our website besoberofficial.com and clicking on what's on I wouldn't necessarily
2: tell so other friends, because they probably just—it's just a different. It's really hard to explain, but it's a different. But I get of, it. Yeah, you've you've gone through this process together, which brings you together um, and just creates this bond and this closeness. And I feel like my friends that I got sober with—I mean, we voice note, I voice note them all the time, just waffling on about all sorts. We wait. I don't really have that relationship with my normal friends. Your normal yeah, friends. I God. was just gonna. <laughs> my friends I call them my internet friends and my real life friends but they're not internet friends because I've met loads of them in real life and we do stuff together a lot but yeah it's different and I just think why would you want to do it without but I understand that it can be difficult for some people but yeah that's enriched my journey so much. We
0: say this a lot but like um when you meet a group of sober people within minutes you open up so much it's like when as a drinker it's the kind of conversations that you used to have at 3am in somebody's kitchen you have within the first 30 minutes of meeting another sober person Yeah, they know everything. Like Alison's just said, don't they? All your deep and dirty secrets and yeah, everything. <laughs> everything. It, and you know what I love about it is so many people drink because they are lonely and because it's such a big part of the social life. And I know for me, one of the things that really, really put me off the idea of stopping drinking initially was that I'd be so isolated and alone and, for me like you Alison it was online groups that these people on the end of my phone became my closest people like if I was if I was hurting if I was sad if I was worrying if I was happy if I'd achieved something all these people I'd never met before were there cheering me on and and you know some of them now are like my closest friends it's just incredible and I thought it was hard to make friends as an adult. Like I just thought, and I used to see like, Alex is a very good friend maker. So she used to have like in all the different jobs and then she'd have these new friends and I'd think, hey, Have she got these I went friends? out with new friends last night, I know. Yeah, this is what I mean. And I'd be like, and I'm very kind of like, I don't know, I've really struggled with that. I don't know whether it's because I'm an only child, maybe, but... um oh, you're not. You're my sister. <laughs> <laughs> but I have. I've always struggled with it. So when I stopped drinking, that was my biggest worry. But actually, I had nothing to worry about because I'm quite good at making friends now. You're brilliant at it. You brought together 60 you know, odd people at Be Wild. Yeah, I know. But this is what I do, right? I bring people together and then I go home. Yeah, then she fogs off and runs
1: away Alison <laughs> and I. That's what she does she does can, can I can I just ask you something before we talk about your actual coaching business which I do want you to talk about what did you do as in how did you get sober because I we have lots of people on my course who got it did it and that was it but what we don't talk about a lot of times is that repeat journey and and there are people in our groups yeah. who really really struggle with making it stick so what did you do and how did it stick
2: I mean I do think it and people hate hearing this and I hated hearing it but I do think the time comes when it's your time yeah you know sometimes oh god people used to say to me maybe you're just not ready and I used to think well you know what do I have to do to be ready like what has to happen to make me ready and I do think the time comes when you are ready yeah you have to, you have to like take action as well and I had a group that I was very active in I had one-to-one coaching for about a year and I needed but I needed the group for kind of the round the clock support if I need if I thought I was going to have a drink then I'd post and get support I needed that um my one-to-one coaching was a lot to do with me stopping drinking but also had to get rid of the business and all of the fear surrounding I was just and, and the whole kind of coming out as sober and then as a sobriety coach it was just all really terrifying to me so I needed that one-to-one coach to kind of guide me through that and then I suppose it was just immersing myself in sobriety I had to put it first I had to and I I had to put my wine business first and the kids and I had to put myself first and my sobriety first. And I had to, you know, surround myself in podcasts and lit and all of the like connection. Like I have said, it was massive and mm-hmm. I had to change more than was in my glass. Um, and I had to really, to me, I think at the end of it all, it's about creating a life that you don't want to escape from. So there were, there were things I had to do um, and I did them. And I'd known for a long time I had to do them and I did them. And You've done it without excuse as well, like your whole
1: career. And and this is one, and it's not, shouldn't be funny, Alison, but it is. It does make me laugh because you and me are in a networking group, aren't we? A local networking group in Cheshire. And I can just imagine some of their faces when one minute you're selling them wine and then the next minute you're going, come and have some one-to-one with me. I bet, <laughs> I bet there was a few... Finger signs made at their screens.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah,
1: Yeah, look at her. It's her fault that I'm drinking wine every day. (laughs) Bought
2: this from her and now look at her. Changed business. But you know what? I was so terrified of that. Uh, It was because when I trained to be a coach, we had to have coaching all the time. And the coaches that coached me, I thought, oh my God, I bet they're so sick of me because every time it was back to this whole, how am I going to say, how am I going to tell people I don't drink? How am I going to say I'm an alcohol-free coach? How am I going to do this? What's everybody going to think? It was round and round in circles for quite a long time. And then one day I just had to do it. So I'd I think I'd completed my yeah I'd completed my coaching qualification, um, so I just did it all in one big post. And my friends obviously knew that I'd stopped drinking, but nobody else did. Um, and I spoke to a couple of clients about it, but they just seemed absolutely not bothered. So I thought, oh, no one's really that bothered. You feel like everyone's yeah. got a real issue with it, and they just were like, oh, do
0: I even care? Are there? <laughs> I
2: thought, well, maybe it's not necessarily to go- necessary to go and tell my clients. So I just did a Facebook post. And said, you know, this is one of the I've struggled with alcohol for a long time. Um, I've stopped drinking. That was one of the main reasons I got rid of the business. I've retrained to help other people to stop drinking if, if they wish. Something along those lines. Put in more detail, and then I just posted it and went and bought a massive, like I think I bought a king size Dairy Milk and a king size Malaxine. starting at them before I looked at any responses. <laughs> and I looked, and it had been so supportive. And, you know, everyone's been really supportive to my face and I'm past the point of really caring if anyone did have anything to say behind my back. Whereas at one point that was, I mean, I look back, I've got journals going back to 2016 and I read something in one of them the other day and I posted it on my um, accountability group actually. And it was just all about what other people would think. And I was just in a, a complete hole mm. and I was so fearful of what other people would think and if my friendships would change and if I'd had the friends and that I, that I thought I was going to lose and, Things have changed since 2016 anyway. So all the things I was worried about weren't even relevant by the time I stopped. So it all just works out, doesn't it doesn't it? It's crazy
0: to think that we worry so much about people that don't even care. about what they think because those people that do care and those that I know it's people say this all the time but those that stick around they are your real friends and it is a really good way of kind of weeding people out but uh, in the early days it seems like such a big deal and like now it's like oh my god it was brilliant it just like got rid of a load of people and you just stay surrounded with people on the same kind of in the same mindset and the same journey but it does it fascinates me how much we care what other yeah. people think
2: I know it's that's the fear isn't it what people are going to be th- what people are going to think and whether people like whether we're going to be boring and whether people are going to think we're boring that's yeah. what lots of my clients get really kind of hung up on yeah and when you fast forward a bit, sobriety is not boring in any way, shape or form. It's, yeah. for me, it's been the best life I could possibly wish for in it terms of all the things that I do now that I would never have done. You
1: it just under itself. Love raved in you as well recently, Alison, because Lisa was at that, you know.
0: Oh, were you? No. Oh, she was um, not that. <laughs> no, I, I, had, I had tickets for it, but my daughter had a baby, so... Oh, <laughs> So I couldn't go, but I've got tickets for the October one, and we've actually got DJ Flavish coming on the podcast as well. We've got booked oh, in, so heard? I'm looking oh, forward to that.
2: Read. I went for a walk with her a few weeks ago, quite quite soon after the first rave, oh, it was just so brilliant. And one of my clients said to me, and um, out of the group, a few of my clients came, and she said, "You," she said to me, she said, "You looked so happy. I honestly thought you were on drugs." <laughs> <laughs> Just loving it because I love dancing. So that yeah. was like heaven to me. I just had a really good night. And the next one's two days before my two-year sober bursary. Oh, so brilliant. friends are coming and some of the ladies out the group. And I just can't wait. But it was brilliant. Stuff like that is just so good, isn't it, to experience in HD. And I just, I was so miserable before. Like so miserable. That constant low mood which I understand it all now because I've read all the books but at the time I hadn't read the books so I didn't understand the science and then you learn science and you're like oh my god that's why I was stuck for all those years and it just all becomes so clear doesn't it and yeah. really unhappy and now I'm not and you know I'm not saying in any way shape or form things are perfect because they're not but you, you I found that I'm so much more resilient without alcohol in my system. Yeah. It's a able- like
1: word that that is. You definitely are. People are more resilient without alcohol. Like you know, this, obviously, like you say, everybody's got stuff going on in their life. And I've just had a conversation with a woman who's been sober for eleven years at the church that I play the organ at. I literally stood there chatting to her about some stuff and said, "Oh, I'm just so glad I don't drink. I just feel so much more resilient." And she was like, "Yeah, I'm resilient. It's really weird. You should use that word." That was an hour or two ago.
2: Really? Yeah, yeah. that's one of the main things for me that I can just. I mean, I don't know like how I really coped when I was drinking. No. (laughs) Like when you've got kids and you were, it's just full on, isn't it? I don't know how I fitted it all in. All those things. It's awful,
0: isn't it? When you think, I think you can, you know, like I see it in people. Like, where was I last week? And there was a, oh no, it was at the gym. So I was at the gym. And this woman come in and she was like angsty and tense and her phone were going. And I could just like, I really picked up on her energy. Anyway, like through the session, she were really struggling. And it turned out she'd had a couple of gin and tonics the night before, right? But I thought I could have told her that. I, I could just tell that like and she was saying how busy her life was and the kids and then the gym instructor commented on oh yeah you've got a lot of kids at home so you probably need a gin and tonic and I swear I was biting my arm to not say anything because I was like (laughs) it just weren't the right time and place and normally I would have done but it's I don't know what would have done said that's your problem she'd have just blurted it out I know I did it in B&M the other day you know I went in B&M it actually worked about drink but the two checkout women they've got these things where you can win a holiday you know on the side and one of them goes oh I'd never win that and the other goes oh no I'm the same I never win anything I said well you won't with that attitude I wouldn't do (laughs) it. I was like, how okay, do you expect to win anything with that attitude? Anyway, I walked out. She went, Do you want one of these? I said, Yeah, and I'll probably win. Thank you very much. you know, um, Alison,
1: Lisa always knows when she's gonna win something, like, and she does win things because she just, because I'm gonna I'm gonna win that. She won a car when she was younger, but and she yeah. knew she knew the moment she got a yeah, bought a raffle ticket, she was gonna win it.
2: Yeah, but I did. In- Universe. I
0: did. And it, it, it's that like just feeling the minute I got that ticket for the car, I won it in a pub actually, funnily enough. Oh a surprise, surprise. <laughs> I was 17 and I'd bought a Bacardian cork, and every drink you got, you got a free ticket. And there was a bit of uproar about the fact that I wasn't old enough to drink. <laughs> So I'd had to say I bought it from, from having a glass of Coke. But um, yeah, I knew I was going to win it. And then a few, about a year later, I was in another pub and there was a raffle to win a holiday in Antigua. Um, and I, I knew the minute I was so scared, it was a five or a ticket, right? Which was so expensive. So me and my two mates put two to get this ticket. I don't even know who put the extra in. But um, from the minute I got that ticket, I was like, we're going to win that holiday. And we did. Oh my god! I know, yeah. so I'm waiting
2: for
0: I my third it. one now. How was the holiday? It was amazing. Don't remember. She were pissed, Alison. No. <laughs> you know what? I actually wasn't because I'd not long had my first daughter, and I remember I n- I never really enjoyed drinking on holidays. No. I don't. I'd have like one night. Um, it's not but, nice being hungover in the heat, though, is it? No, no. But no, I was never a big drinker on holidays. Anyway, my mates were.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just really struggled, you know, if there was the morning carver or whatever it was. Yeah. A mental chatter that came with that. Should I, shouldn't I? I? I knew everyone in the room that was having the morning carver. I could spot them around the port, like I was obsessed with it. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be like
1: beer o'clock, me and my husband at the all
0: inclusive. And we used to be like looking and say, is it past 10 a.m.? Because if it is, come on, game on. My ex was like that. And the last holiday I went on with him and I hated it. Um, And he was literally waiting for them to open the pump at 10 o'clock. It had like a rooftop bar and sunbathing area. And I would just think, oh, that's it. As soon as he went over, I think that's today ruined. I hated it. And when I went on holiday um actually last year and I could spot people having the morning carver. <laughs> and I was like, look at them, check them out in a couple of hours. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? I, I like
1: people watching though with drunk people now. Not in kind of not in a judgy way like, oh, look at them, what they're doing, but in just like a, oh, I like to watch it because I think, ah, look at me.
0: <laughs> I like to watch it. I like to. Spot like my, like you and me now. Yeah, I can spot the old version of me and you in people. Yeah. I think, oh, Alex had been doing that. Oh, that'd have been doing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you see the
1: arguments unfolding, don't you? You know, if somebody's going to have a kickoff, you see it coming and you think, oh, there we
2: go. Yeah, uh, well, I went to Ether and I was about this was with the, um, my partner and the kids. I was about 10 days. Into a sober streak, and I was determined to go and do it because this was on my last. I drank once after that for three nights in October, and then I stopped completely. So I was determined to go to Ibiza and do this. um, Yeah, it was two weeks all inclusive, Um, and I remember I did find. I just find it hard, you know, all those neural pathways, the plane, the airport, the getting there. And then once I was there and settled in, it got a bit easier. But I just remember this family turned up and they were all around the pool and they had the music on and they were dancing. And I was like, why can't I do that? You know, that whole, it's not fair. Poor um, me. Yeah, poor me. Um, and I was saying to me, the half, I'm really struggling to not have a drink. And anyway, I got through that. And then the next day, they were so subdued. And I just thought, ah, there we go. So glad. <laughs> yeah, once you get through it, you've just got to get through that.
0: And it's it's funny how we go from at the beginning feeling like poor me and we're a bit left out and I'd like to be like that, to before you know it, you just like, even seeing people now getting tipsy, I think, oh, thank. God, that's not me. I think that, thank God, it's not yeah, me. I'm, I'm so going on holiday grateful. in two weeks and I just can't wait for
1: my next sober holiday. Just can't yeah. wait. Like, you come back and actually, who knew you didn't need a holiday to recover from your holiday till you got sober? Yeah. Like,
0: you actually have a proper holiday and your body rests. I didn't even know that was a thing. I know. I always thought other countries were were like, you know, when you got off the plane? Yeah. I couldn't believe how clear you could see everything. (laughs) Because it was always like a bit blurry. I thought it was like the heat or something. (laughs) And I remember getting off the plane like, my God, look how clear everything is. (laughs) <laughs> and people queued up for coffee in the airport like I couldn't believe that I was like what people actually queue at Costa or Starbucks or whatever it is
2: <laughs> you start to notice what other people do or don't do around alcohol when you sober That you would have never thought of the people that don't drink at the airport and the people that don't drink it on the plane it's just
0: there's less people that drink you know I think there's since I've stopped drinking and I've been on quite a few holidays, there is, I think there's less people that drink, that don't drink. No, what am I trying to say? There's less people that drink on the aeroplanes than there is that don't. Yeah, than what you thought.
1: Yeah. One yeah. of our members was saying this morning that she'd gone on holiday. She's just got back from holiday and she was really surprised at how many people don't drink. She yeah. she just assumed before that people did Everybody did, but she said, yeah, actually, door. I must words
0: were, I must have looked like a right twat well, when I was drunk all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but do you change where you go? Because I seem to, I go to like nicer hotels now and stuff. But this, <laughs> this is funny, right? Because we, we've um, booked an all-inclusive resort
1: because obviously of having uh, our seven-year-old, but... In, because we're not going to go all-inclusive because the, it'll be cheaper to not do and buy food because you don't need booze and it doesn't cost much. We've spent the money on having a hot tub on the in a penthouse suite. Yeah. So wow. actually, yeah, do you know what I mean? You do You do upgrade your life a bit, don't you? Yeah, definitely.
2: That's <laughs> so nice. And I love it when it's really tangible. You know, your rewards, when you think that's the money that would have gone on the booze. So we will get a bit of penthouse and a hot tub. I love that. You know, the yeah. rewards, it's so exciting, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, little sober treats. Oh, gorgeous. Well, that was a rather, uh, we went off a tangent there, didn't we? <laughs> right, Alison, I want you to have the opportunity to tell us about your business. So let's just fast forward your story again now. Let's bring you back in. So you've you've managed to get sober, you've used all the tools, you've got this community, you've had your coaching, you've got rid of your business, you're moving to coaching. Tell us about that now. Tell us about your coaching business, what you do,
2: whatever you want to tell us about it to share. So. um did my coaching qualification. Well, I did an um, ICF accredited diploma in positive psychology coaching and then alcohol free coaching as an addition. Um, So I do one to one coaching um with people who want to change their relationship with alcohol and it's client led. And I always say to people, well, I always say to my one to one clients. I can't tell them what the goals are because it's client level. Some people don't actually know what their goals are and come and aren't sure whether they want to remove it or whether they want to try and moderate. But I do always say up front, I couldn't moderate. So I can't teach you how to moderate. But if you want me to coach you um, to look at other areas, of your like, in which you may be drinking on and with, like coping strategies for those things and bringing in positive psychology interventions so that drink doesn't seem such a positive option, then we can do that. But most people that I work with want to remove it completely or take a break and then quite often after the break they decide to carry on which just makes me so happy oh I love that that's amazing isn't it oh, just makes me really emotional just thinking about it and then so that's my one-to-one so I work with people um who want to address their relationship with alcohol but then I also work with people who feel trapped just being a bit of a hole want to get out that hole and don't know how because I can obviously really relate to that and have lived experience in that. Um so it's kind of a re like rediscovering who they are and what they want and there's loads of positive psychology stuff that we can do um there. So that's the one-to-one coaching. Then I have um a group so it's an accountability a small accountability group um where we do workshops and catch-up zooms and book clubs and just a really lovely community where people can connect and it's nice, isn't it? Seeing people make real life connections and just support each other because it helps. I remember when I was in the groups and I wasn't doing great, it just helped having those people that are a bit further along just to spur me on. And then if you'd seen someone that had struggled for a while and then got it, it just gave you some hope, didn't it? And it's surrounding yourself. And I always say, even if your head's not in it, it's still good to be in those communities, even if it's just on Instagram, you know, following some pages on Instagram to still stay in contact with people that aren't drinking because we all kind of say the same things, I think, but in different ways. And yeah. sometimes somebody can just say it slightly differently and it can yeah. be differently and it can be a turning point. So yes, I've got the accountability group and we have meetups meet in real life, which is just lovely. Um, and then, um what's the other thing <laughs> i've totally gone blank do corporate stuff but there's something else we oh, can't the challenges yeah my next challenge isn't actually till october but i do challenges i've got one at the minute um so that's just a really intense month um small groups i keep the groups small so people get loads of one-on-one support but i go live to the group daily and talk about all sorts you know the science you know self-care radical self-care um loads of stuff so daily lives um two zooms a week plus a plus a workshop a week um just to really give people that kick start and that the intention of that is having a complete break for 31 days and then we kind of see where everyone's at at the end and
0: what's the difference between self-care and radical self-care I, think I saw
1: Lisa's eyebrows go up when you said radical. Oh. I knew she was going to ask about that. I'm, I'm wondering if I'm a radical
0: self-carer. <laughs> <laughs> I heard,
2: I can't remember his name, but someone and he's is unfortunately not with us anymore. But there was this guy who did a podcast on it anyway. Um, and this is when I was really early on trying to get sober. And he was saying like self-care is the daily stuff of like maybe getting you, steps in or going to the gym and having a bath to relax or taking an hour to read your book and then radical self care is bringing those things in which I never did when I was drinking that really kind of bring you that joy so you know taking that time to connect you you with are people you a radical self care like mm-hmm. paddle boarding go into like a weekend like you guys have just hosted so, stuff like that that isn't a day to day you can't do it on a day to day basis but that makes you feel so good and I think that's part of it as well, that you build this life that feels so good that you never want to leave it behind. Yeah. You know what? I honestly,
0: I feel like that now. And I, I love that you've yeah, said that I because I used to always say and for years and years, I'd be like, I am never coming back. I'm never coming back to this planet. That's what I'm- talking about for those that might not know <laughs> I've like means after this, she dies after she dies she's never my, back. yeah this is my last life I've had enough and I will not do this again and honestly for the first time in my 43 years of life I'm like I think I'd come back <laughs> I actually really enjoy it I love where I'm at and it's probably genuinely even though like you said before it's not perfect there's stuff going on all of the time but I am probably at the happiest that I've ever ever been and I know that is down to not drinking do you know that's what? I think where I it all am. began I think I am Lisa and yeah how oh good are you Alison are you happy oh well now she's going to feel shit if the answer's no
2: (laughs) and it's I think it's a little thing so this morning I've taken my daughter to the park and we've been to the library for a couple of hours and my other half just come home to sit with her she's only four while I do this and then he's going back to work and I just said oh we've just had the best morning and I think like we've just done something incredible we've been to the library and been to the park and I just find and I know it sounds cheesy but this is genuinely how I feel I just find joy in the little stuff now and I said to her It was something like, I'm really happy now, or I don't hate myself anymore, or something the other day. And he kind of like did a bit of a double take and he was like, Really? And he went, I like, I'm, he said, I'm so happy that you've just said that. And it's, it's amazing, isn't it? How it's slow, like it just slowly shifts. And of course, it's like life, it's ebbs and flows, it's up and down. And, you know, it's not always that I'm on top of the world, but I just think not having that self-loathing of being stuck in that cycle and just having, you believe in yourself more, don't you? You trust yourself more, that your decisions are purely your decisions and then they're not influenced by alcohol or they're not influenced by being groggy or low in mood from the night before. Um, And I think that just brings people a lot of strength.
0: It's finding, like you said, the genuine joy in the ordinary things, in the little things. It's like, and I can't believe that that's a real thing and I wouldn't have believed it unless I have actually experienced it myself. So it's really hard to try and explain that to somebody that is perhaps really in the early days. It comes though, doesn't it? It comes. it It does does it it really does if you just keep going and keep working at it and keep putting one foot in front of the other it does come you've just got to be patient sometimes go
2: on Alex sorry you first I was just going to say I think that's where the you know the we are the luckiest hashtag really rings true to me in that So I can get up on a Saturday morning and go for a run and take the kids to soft play and just feel like I'm living my absolute best life. Whereas other people have always got up in the morning, gone for a run and taken the kids to soft play and it's normal for them. They might hate it, they might love it, but it's normal. Whereas for me... I would have done though. well, I might probably, no, I wouldn't have gone for the run, but I would have got up and took the kids to soft play, for example, but I would have been groggy and I wouldn't have wanted to be there. And I'd Yeah, have been, that's the difference. And it's that I find so much joy in things that I would have done anyway, but I would have felt differently about. Yeah. And this is what the client's about, so I'm like, oh, yeah, but you can go paddle boarding and you'll just feel amazing, for example. And they'll say, oh, I've been paddle boarding before. And I'll be like, yeah, but it's different. It's
0: different. <laughs> it is different though. It is. It character. is. Everything is different I mean, and better yeah, when, you, when you're when sober.
2: Yeah. And I love that. And I just think it's, it's like the whole train journey. You get on a train and you're really happy in the morning, getting the train to work, for example, because you're not hungover. Whereas other people that don't drink to excess do that every day. That's not that's not really special to them but for someone who's struggled with drink getting on the train and not being hung over and feeling fresh is such a gift so that's yeah. why I harp on about things and I'm sure people must think well I do that and I'm not so you, you don't they have to do that. I've, I've,
0: they genuinely do think that I've had that and I've had comments on my posts about things like that on my personal Facebook before now when I've kind of suggested that something is because I'm sober and the feelings yeah. and I suppose I probably didn't know how to articulate it. it sometimes you still can't though can you like yeah, because it is normal stuff sometimes. Yeah and somebody had message was like well you don't have to not enjoy um you don't have to stop drinking to enjoy doing things like yeah. that I do things like that and it's just like you say no it's different it's different. <laughs> it is it is. Alison, we're going to put
1: your links. It's alisoncoulder.com, isn't it? Your new website. So we're going to put that on and we're going to put your Instagram on. Is there anything else that you want to share before we ask you our final question?
2: Um, no, I don't think so. But I do need to get information from you about the Northern Yes. Is it sold out? No, no still I've just put a link...
0: I've just what put a there? link on our Facebook, actually, for it. But it's on the website, besoberofficial.com. On the What's on page, go to, there's a drop down box. Click on there. And there's, um, I think there's about 20 places left. We'd it love you to come. Oh, my
2: God. Oh, my God, it loves, oh you've got to do it. Yeah. we love gonna- it. Yeah, I'm going to book that. This is yeah, the same, come.
0: Alison. We never knew how to explain that we did a drumming and dan- dance circle that nobody wanted to do. And we all sat there crying of joy, oh, like goodness. genuine tears of joy. Like, I honestly, I don't know how to explain that. Was it one of the best it. experiences of your life? Because it was one of mine. It was just so good. It was
1: amazing.
2: It's like <laughs> I did this women's circle in Romilly and I'm like... How could you explain to someone what can happen in Romilly on three hours on a Sunday? Yeah, you can amazing, and you feel like it's like this transformational journey, and I feel like yeah. I've come out as a different person to the person that went in. Yeah. People must just think of an absolute nutter, but yeah, it's the it's thing like, you exaggerate in it, but you're not.
0: It is transformational. <laughs> Lisa, do you, I always ask the last question? I think you should do it. Okay. <laughs> Alison, our motto is be brave, be kind, be sober. Which one do you most relate to right now and why?
2: I'd say be sober. Um, I just think it's the... If my sobriety went, everything would go. Everything's built on it. And that's where all my gratitude comes in for my sobriety, my alcohol-free life. So I always think that's the crux of everything. And I say to everybody, even if you know, you haven't got a really difficult relationship with alcohol, but you're just feeling that it's just taking a bit more than you want it to, just give it 31 days or three months, whatever, because the domino effect of stopping drinking is just absolutely massive. It's been so
0: lovely to meet her. Alex has told me loads about you. She's like, you'll love her, you'll love her, and I do. So thank you for taking the
2: time to come
0: on. It's been oh, dead thanks good.
2: Thanks for having me. And yeah, lovely to meet you, Lisa. Lovely to see you, Alex. And you, Alison, you take care yeah bye 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 -bye. see you
0: later thank you so much for listening to our podcast today and please don't forget to follow or subscribe and please share it with your friends if you've enjoyed it if you didn't enjoy it go away (laughs) (laughs) if you want to
1: find out more about the work we do or you want to join our amazing community here at Be Sober you can find out more on our website besoberofficial.com so until next
0: time be brave be kind and be sober!